This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us and for following Working Like Dogs on Instagram and Facebook. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis and my co-host is my lovely service dog, Lovey. And we're thrilled to be with you to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today we're going to be talking with Jeff Franklin about his distinguished career as a dog trainer and about the new book, Franklin, the man behind the United States Commando Dogs. And this book was written by Matthew Duffy about Jeff and his extraordinary experiences because Jeff is recognized as one of the world's leading dog trainers. So don't go away. We'll be right back after these quick messages as we welcome Jeff Franklin to the show. Put on a perfectly possum pet party. Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four-legged friend? Or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit Pet Party Accessories, party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photoprop kits include funny glasses and hats. The party supplies and decorations include coordinating table covers, party banners, cake decorations and treat bowls, cups and bags. Everything you need to create great memories and Instagram-worthy photos. They're available in two colorful themes, Tropical and Fireman. It's a dog's life. Celebrate it with Molly and Bandit Pet Party at mollyandbanditpetparty.com slash petlife. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. We're so excited to have Jeff Franklin with us today. Hello, Jeff, and welcome. Good afternoon, and thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so glad that you could be here to talk about the new book and your amazing career that you've had. And I want you to start out by telling us a little bit about yourself. Give our listeners some background information and how you became a canine officer. Well, it's sort of interesting because I usually at this point in time uh, make a little fun of myself. I don't have the best resume on paper. When I started off with dogs, it was a hobby something that I did in uh, in middle school, actually, and it carried on to be a hobby for a while. And to make the story a little bit shorter, after the Marines, I decided I, I needed a different job. So I decided to take my passion and hobby and make it into a, a career. When I was younger, I, I, would, I would train dogs for people in the neighborhood or for family members, and it seemed to come fairly easy to me. So I basically taught myself most of the dog training skills. Uh, at some point in time, my early 20s, I met Mr. Duffy at a training course. I finally saved up the time and money to go ask somebody some questions professionally about it. I actually joined the police department because I had a desire to work a dog in the real world, and I had a, an idea that uh, at some point in time I would want to be an instructor, 
And I thought if I didn't have some real world experience as an instructor, then maybe I wouldn't be as good at it. So most of my work was actually self-taught and was at the right place at the right time to be able to get involved in uh, the police work, uh, pet dog training. I, I probably spent four years training thousands of pet dogs and and unfortunately, there was this thing called 9-11, and uh, a lot of lives changed after that, including mine. Uh, we started training hundreds of bomb dogs a year because of that, and we still are, in fact. And then the bigger project that's uh, been around for about 14 years now was the uh, Special Forces Dogs, uh, and that really came about after the 9-11 events. Yeah, wow. Well, it seems like it has been in your blood if you started that when you were in middle school. What were you doing yeah. in middle in middle school? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so probably not the right thing. Um, but uh, I had a school teacher that was a retired police officer, and he used to be a canine officer. And he brought his – there's a part of this story is in the, the book that Mr. Duffy wrote also, but it's pretty neat. He brought his dogs to – to uh, school every once in a while, and um, I fell in love with him. He had two German Shepherds, and um, I just thought it was the neatest thing because he could make them do, you know, tricks, and he could have them sitting down and all the things that now they seem pretty common to me. Um, but they actually, you know, as a 11, 12-year-old kid, I was pretty amazed. And then, so I, you know, I, I did that, and then I, my, my dad wasn't real keen on it at first, but I, he was out of town once, and I suckered my mom into getting me a, a letting me keep a German shepherd. So uh, I started training her and um, believe it or not, I had uh, I had to send, I'd go to the library and I'd get books and I'd do my own research and I'd have my poor friends from neighborhood act like they were bad guys and we were trying to teach the dog to bite and she was never going to bite, but it was fun for me to try it anyway. <laughs> well, that's I, great. There was probably worse things I could be doing uh, other than the attempted bite work. It's just lucky for me that uh, the first dog I tried at it was was not very good at it. But she could do everything else. I taught her to do as many tricks as I could, and I taught her a lot of obedience. And mostly, to be honest, she taught me more than I taught her probably. Oh, that's nice. Well, that's pretty funny that your dad went away for work or a weekend or something and came back and there was a German shepherd there. Yeah, yeah, yeah there, there's uh, probably one of the, uh, I would say the toughest chapters in the book is uh, is Lady and it's uh, wrapped up around her. And uh, yeah, it was, it was not pleasant at first, but in the end, he got used to it and actually yeah. liked her. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, tell us, what is a canine commando? What is that? So it's a it's a fancy term. I guess you have to put a term on everything. So really, it's a, a military working dog that works with uh, some special forces groups. And, and they're much like a police dog in, uh, in the regards of what their basic principal job is. Basically, we take the dogs and, and teach them as if they were going to be on a SWAT team. So their job is a, a little bit different than a regular police dog. But in the big picture, it's, it's sort of the same. So, for example, if there's a building that we're going to and we want to make sure that there's not any people in it, sending the dog in is a, is a quick way to find out. And it also keeps uh, the military people safe. We also spend a lot of time with the dogs looking for explosives, um, whether it's in a building or while we're walking somewhere. And then, of course, these dogs, what kind of makes them special is that they have to work in so many different environments. And there's also little to no room for failure. It's not really tolerated in, in that community. So they may have to be on a helicopter. They may have to be in some sort of other military vehicle. They may have to be on a boat or a big boat that they call a ship if you're in the Navy. And then so they also have to be uh, willing to be very social. So our dogs have to be around lots of people all the time. And oftentimes the military 
people that they're around are actually pretty young men, uh, so they can't be too, uh, you know, they have to be dogs that they can be socialized very easily. But on the other hand, if they need them to go into a, a scary place and find a, a bad person, they have to be able to do that too. And that, that's probably the hardest thing about finding the right dog for this work is that asking a dog to be that strong, but then also don't be a jerk when you're around a group of people in a small right. space. That's what I was just thinking when you just said yeah. that is how do you ask a dog to do all of those things? Are most of the dogs bred for the program? How do you select these dogs? So the dogs aren't necessarily up until now and, and maybe in the future they will be. They weren't necessarily bred for this, but they were bred for other types of work. And so what I came up with was a, you know, some of it was trial and error, but over the years uh, it got better. Uh, we're at a, a pretty strong selection test. And, and so really, if you don't start with the right dog, it's never going to do it. And I actually, well, that's kind of getting off the topic a little bit, but I say that about everything with dogs. You know, if you want a dog to do X, Y, and Z, then pick the right dog to do it. The worst thing we do as dog people is pick a dog and because we think it's cute or we like the breed, but we really don't think about what the end use for the dog's going to be. Right, so, right. You know, right now, unfortunately, there's, I probably shouldn't say this, but it's true, there's thousands of people that are Malinois owners, and that's our main breed that we use for our military programs, and, and they're really not designed to be pets. Uh, yeah. I love them to death, but they are a, a strong breed for a strong reason, and, and sure, they can be social, but the, the downside is when they're turned on, they're turned on. Right. And if you're not skilled at it, at handling this type of dog, or if you're not coached or trained, however you want to look at it, it's not the, the perfect type of animal for them. But to to get back to your question, the, the biggest thing is is the selection test. We have to be really fair to the animal to say, okay, are you capable of doing all these tasks that we're asking you to do? Can you have good endurance? Can you swim? Can you uh, look for explosives? Oh, can, oh, by the way, can you bite people in any situation that we might need you to? And then, you know, just to add to it, could you find bombs during and during the day also? So wow. it's, uh, it's all about the selection. And, and there's a there's a degree of them that even with the best we do on our selection, there's a, a big degree of them that will fail out of the program. Those dogs will always make an excellent police dog. So for example, one of the hard tasks that we have, uh, if we use a dog to go inside of a building and let's say they get into an altercation with somebody. Well, as soon as that's over, I'm going to be asking them to, hey, relax now and how about you go back and search outside and see if there's any explosives out there and ask a dog to turn that fight on and then turn it off into play drive. It's a hard task. So that is a, uh, one example where the dogs might wash out, but in police work, it would, wouldn't affect them in a negative manner. Right, right. Wow. I just, I'm just thinking about that, you know, as I'm a dog handler, but a service dog, you know, not at all. Dogs, as you said, it has to be the right dog with the right skills. And Lovey would never in a million years have those skills. But yeah, <laughs> well, no. most, most, most people don't have the skills to do the job either. So, right. You know, well, it, I was going to say it's the elite. Yeah. It's, it definitely is. And what yeah. we think about the elite. But yeah. So when you're doing the selection, how long does that process take if you've got to put them in all those different, different, you know, swimming and biting and doing all those things? How long does that take for you to really assess if a dog's got it or not? We, there's not an exact time frame on it, but I would say that somewhere between one and two months will we'll pretty much uh, every once in a while, you know, something happens further on in the training. But we have it down pat now where, you know, one or two months with the dog, they're pretty much going to be good. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's and that's giving them time to get used to, because they don't come to us as puppies. You know, they come to us as young adult dogs. 
so we give them time to get used to us and our environment, which really with these type of dogs, they what I've learned is they if they're going to transition and, and fit in well, they're going to do it very quickly. It's just their personality. They're not the kind of dog that's going to... So, for example, you know, some dogs, if you brought one and, and he was just he or she, we use um, both male and females, mostly males, but sometimes a female. And if you were going to bring one to the program and they got to our kennel and they were pouted and they didn't want to work, they're probably not going to work long term anyway. So we would know that pretty quick about that dog because that happens occasionally also. Some dogs mm-hmm. are just not set up for that. And whether it's genetics or how they were raised or some of both, some dogs just say, nah, I don't like this, this big of a change. And you're asking me to do too many things. I'm going to go back home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, it's good they communicate that. Yeah. Right away. And so where, yeah, do, you, do. where do you get your dogs from? So we will uh, look at dogs, you know, I use this loosely, but it, it pretty much anywhere in the world. You know, so if there's a place in the United States that we can go and do a, a day or two of selection test and then bring them back to our facilities, then we'll do that. If there, some, a lot of times we, we end up going to Europe. Uh, Europe has a very long history of breeding and raising working dogs. And the only negative side to going to Europe to buy dogs now is that dogs have become really, really popular since the events of 9-11. And it's not that big of a place when everybody in the world's trying to go to the same place to get the best dogs. So, you know, that's another topic, but it's getting harder and harder to find the the dogs every year. It's like finding a horse that's going to win the Kentucky Derby or even just Mm -hmm. get to run in the Kentucky Derby. You know, they're they're not sitting around waiting for you. Right. They they're definitely have to weed through and hunt. And it's it's a job within itself. I mean, it's almost a full-time job just looking for the dogs, not not even talking about training them. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, just from what you're describing, just the process I know they go through, you know, for assistance dogs. And I can imagine, you know, that selection process is so critical. And like you said, if the dog washes out or, you know, which so many of them do, then it, it is. It's really an intense and costly process where you're trying to go through that to find the, the right dog. Wow. So, okay. So once the dogs come to you and you start working with them, what's that process like and how long is that? So the, the, the process is we'll get past the first few weeks and um, I would say training-wise, getting a dog ready to go to work, it's, it's about a six-month process for us to cover everything that we have to cover. It's, and that's not the, you know, there's service dogs that go through longer training than that, actually. But six months is basically we're getting the dogs ready. And then when from there, they're going to spend about another 12 months, maybe, uh, getting ready to go go to work, as we call it. Whatever that is or wherever that may be. <laughs> We'll just leave it at that. But whatever the mm-hmm. work they're going to do, it's so if you add it all up, they're spending about a year and a half before they mm-hmm. uh, before they get to work. And you said they're young adults when they come to you. Is that like one or are they younger than that? Well, we try not to get them younger than that. We mm-hmm. have in the past because if you see something that is really spectacular. And so, we, you know, a lot of agencies across the country, a lot of different programs say, okay, we will not look at a dog if it's less than 12 months. Well, our theory is this. Well, if we happen to see one that's nine or 10 months old and we pretty much think it's going to be the right one, it's so hard to find our dogs. We'll take them a little bit younger. And we found in the last five years, we, we have taken some younger dogs just because of the availability of the ones that we would that we think we'd like are probably about 18 months. Right. When you're, you know, you're a dog person, so you understand at 18 months, they're at least starting to mature. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. And just because the availability is not there, we're having to look at younger and younger dogs, and then we're having to also put that into another factor, believe it or not, okay, he's, let's just say he's 10 months old. What's he going to be like when he's two? Well, we think he's going to be X, Y, and Z, but you don't know that for sure. When you look at one that, that's 18 months, 
you pretty much know what you have with a right. little bit of maturity. And so it's um there wasn't an exact answer because there's not one, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> if you if we were looking for dogs and for some weird reason there was a an all star dog that was available at two two and a half years old, we certainly would love to have it. But the realistic part of that is if there's a dog that that's it's that great and he's not he doesn't already have a job, there's probably something I'm missing or something yeah. wrong with the dog. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd, they'd be I scooped mean, up already. Yeah, yep, exactly. You know, there's a reason why LeBron James didn't play basketball in college. He didn't need to. You know, so <laughs> exactly. Yeah, kind of looking at it the same way. We're getting better and better at looking at that younger dog and saying, okay, we think he's going to be a pro someday. We may not be able to rush it like we did in the past. Well, you know, and and on that topic, in the past we had to because, mm-hmm. you know, ten, twelve years ago we were fighting two wars. We, yeah. we needed dogs yeah. quickly. So we yeah. were really trying to get a, a dog that was 18 months to 24 months or even older that we could, you know, get ready to go to work very quickly. Now that these types of programs have been around longer and not quite as busy, uh, we can mm-hmm. take the dogs and make them a little bit, get them a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. Wow. If I, if I had the uh, power to do so, and we'll see, maybe someday I can do it. I don't know if power is the right word or not, but anyhow. If I could have a, a mission, I guess I would call it. I think raising puppies for this would be a nice, a nice thing to do. It just makes yeah. it a lot. We really haven't had time to do it, and puppy programs are expensive. But if we raise dogs to do a certain task, as with like CNI dogs and other uh, mm-hmm. assistance service dog programs, and you raise them, and you have specific genetics, and you have yes. specific ways to raise them, I think we would end up with a better product. It's just a, yeah. It's a, that's a long, you know. That's a long it's process to really figure yeah. out. Yeah. It's a huge investment, but I sure, I tell you, Lovey is like on steroids for retrieving. I mean, she is so, she was bred <laughs> for it. And I mean, yeah. she will like drag in the kitchen sink. You know, she wants to retrieve it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think you're absolutely right. Well, hold that thought, Jeff, because we're going to take just a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors, but we have a lot more to talk about. So our listeners, you stay right there. We're going to be right back. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Doggo Suds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Doggo Sud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Doggo Suds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're visiting today with Jeff Franklin about his amazing career, the work that he does as a dog trainer, and also about the new book that's out about Jeff called Franklin, the Man Behind the United States Commando Dogs. And before the break, we were talking about the selection criteria and all the things, Jeff, that that go into choosing a dog. And I do want to ask you, once you do that and the dogs are a little bit older after they go through 18 months of training, how long? long is their usual work life for these kind of dogs? I think we get uh, probably six, 
uh, years, sometimes eight years out of them. Sometimes it, it just depends on the dog, of course, and if, if they've had any injuries or what their stress level has been, been at. But the one thing that we definitely pride ourselves on, we don't work them to death, as we call it. We're going to work them to a healthy age, and we don't want to you know, drop them off to their retirement farm when they're just completely burned out. So we try to get as many years as possible, but it's not a numbers game when, when it comes down to that. It, it's what, yeah. are they still happy? Are they still healthy? Are they liking what they're doing? And if that's the case, then we'll work them as long as we can. But I guess the, the answer is probably, I think when a dog gets to be around eight years old, we start evaluating them uh, if we don't see anything before then. And just, we want to make sure that we give them some sort of quality of life after they're done. I mean, they've, you know, if a dog spends six years working for uh, protect our country, we're happy with that. I mean, if, yeah, that's if, if impressive. There, if there was a dog that was only, I'll give you an example. If there's a dog that only was with us two or three years, and it just medically or psychologically didn't seem like it was working out, then we're gonna we're gonna retire that dog. Yeah, it's not a. We're very lucky in the case that it's we don't have to just work them and work them and work them, and we really think about part of our program is. These dogs are doing a service for our country at a very high level, and they also deserve to have a good retirement. Um, I was very lucky myself. Unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago, but I had one of uh, our first dogs of this kind in the program that came to live with me and my wife for four years after his retirement. We got him when he was nine years old, and he lived with us, and he he was the best pet you could ever ever want. Mm, I bet. I bet. (laughs) He just hung out, run around. We had uh, 10 acres of land, and uh, if you know, if I was in one side of it, that's where he was at, and and he would never leave the property, never even thought about. It was just interesting because he didn't spend his life at a house, but you would have thought he did. He made himself at home very quickly, and UPS man could come. It didn't matter. This dog was so social. People look at me like that dog was no military dog. <laughs> nice. I'm like, no, trust me, trust me. He he has to be this social to do his job, but. You don't want to make him mad. Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, yeah. So, so we we try to give them uh, the best. That's the. It's kind of a broad answer, but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. It's, we want them to work for as long as they can, as long as they're healthy and happy and, and like doing what they're doing. But we're not going to uh, push them too far. Yeah. Well, and how do you work with handlers who maybe haven't had any dog experience? How do you um, start working with them to get them trained to work with these these really highly qualified canines? So that's actually the hard part. Right. <laughs> when people ask me that, you know, I'm going to tell the truth. You know, the dogs, it, it's pretty easy for us, but, you know, humans, we're a lot more complex and we have our uh, ins and outs. But overall, I would say that we're dealing with top-notch people that are very athletic. They're very quick to learn things. Most of them that come to the program have a passion for dogs to start with and probably have had dogs throughout their life that type of thing. But we have a a program, a a school that we put them through like you would any other handler's course. It's just designed, obviously, for a little different work, but the handlers come in and they get to spend a little bonding time with the dogs. And then it's a slow start. You know, we're going to crawl before we run type of thing, but we have a, a, it's a complete school that they go through. Mm -hmm. And how long is that school for them? It's around three months, I think. Mm, Okay. So yeah, that's a good length of time. but they're getting, when I say that, though, it's not like they're going to, so for example, in the police world, oftentimes a 
police officer might only get five or six weeks of training, sometimes eight, and then he's out the next week going to work. Mm-hmm. We have a our school is just really getting our handlers warmed up. So we have a, a dog that we spent some time with, just to kind of give you the big picture. We we get a, a dog trained and ready. We get a course going. The course goes for three months ish, and then after that, there's still a good six months or more of training before they actually go out and do real work. So they have a a lot of training before they they take off and go to work with the dogs. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. They're very in tune with the dogs by the time they they go to work. Yeah, that's a good good length of time for them to really bond and really build their confidence with their skills. Yeah, and the dog. Yeah, because that's what's so important too is having that trust relationship with the dog. Well, tell us about the book. I mean, this is pretty exciting that Matthew Duffy has written this amazing book about you. How did that happen? How did you let him talk you into that, Jeff? (laughs) Well, it was um, so a lot of people had asked about it because of the type of work I do about doing books and stories and TV shows and other things. And, you know, because of the work I do also is the reason why I told most of them no. Mr. Duffy had wrote some books before on, on about training dogs, and it, it's what he's done for, I think, 30, 40 years of his life. That's all he's done is train dogs. And he also has always, since I met him, had a passion for, for writing. So basically, he, he approached me with it, and, um, and he knew other people had, uh, had approached me. And we talked it out that, you know, since he was, you know, like a brother to me, uh, I knew I could trust him not to put anything in the book that I wouldn't want in there. And when we realized that it didn't have to be all about just the military work, it could be things about like Lady, for example, or other work that I've done with dogs. So we started off the project, and it, it took, I think, a few years longer than we expected, but we, we did it in a, in a manner that made uh, seemed to make everybody happy. Yeah. Um, the, the oddest part about the book was, for me, is my job was just to edit. And some of the times I would read things and think, man, what is wrong with that guy? <laughs> I think Jeff, are you really that dumb? Did you do that? And, uh, I'd read it again. Like, yeah. well, I guess you did. So, <laughs> well, the book is so great. I mean, it has so many stories and information in it. I mean, it really is an amazing story, and he did such a great job. I mean, it captivated me from the very minute that I, I started reading it. So it's it's really wonderful, and it is a great overview and an example of the the incredible work that these dogs and their handlers are doing and that you've done Jeff to to make this program so successful. Well, thank you. We it's it for me it's a it's a blessing for me. It's not, you know, I don't obviously it's work, but I don't go to a job like normal people and I'm very lucky in that manner. I, you know, most of my life I'm getting to do something with an animal, so and we get to pay our bills that way also, so it's a, it's a win for us <laughs> for a, sure. That's right. It's just a bonus. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and Mr. Duffy did such a good job with the book. I mean, he's a he's really good with dogs, but he might even just be a better writer, and I, I have a feeling this is probably not his last Franklin book, so we'll see what happens with that. Oh, that's awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, there was so much to tell, and, and I love the photos in it, too. You guys had a lot of great images in it, so that you really got to see see and got to feel like you had that insight into what was going on and felt like you were there. Which well, was- and that was one of the things we really liked about it is that even though the quality wasn't there, those pictures weren't set up as props. 
They're actually no. real, <laughs> you know, real, real life things that happened along the way. And what I found out, unfortunately, is I'm, I'm not when I, I do a lot of traveling, but I, I apparently I'm not a great picture taker as far as quality or quantity, but I found <laughs> out that the hard way and it was 20 years too late. So I said, hey, I don't know what you want me to do about it now, but we'll do, make it the best it could. But it seemed like uh, even with what you said, a lot of people said, well, they were probably better because you didn't know they were going to end up in a book. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it really demonstrates, yeah, yeah, it really does. It tells the story, too. I mean, it's, those images are, are pretty intense. Yeah, but they're great. So, in thinking about all this in the book, you mentioned Lady, but what was, tell us one of your favorite things about the book, one of the stories about the dogs in the book. So, Lady is the tough story, just because it is. It's a, it's a good it's a good story, but it's it's a tough one. I think my best memory of me and a dog in a really crappy situation was the one where I was stuck in a jungle, and uh, I got to rely on a dog to help me out through a pretty bad time. And you know, again, it, like a lot of the dog work, sometimes it's a yin and yang because yeah, he helped me in a really really awful spot, but at some point in time, I had to leave him where he was at because he wasn't mine anymore. So and that's the that's one of the things that uh, you sort of have to get used to in this line of work is that I work with a lot of nice animals and I get to train a lot of nice people, but most of them don't stick around. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people think that uh, I've had people say, well, I guess you just don't get attached to them. I said, no, you just learn how to let go because you certainly couldn't do what I've done with dogs and not be attached to them. So you just have to figure out a way to say, well, I did all I can do here, kid. It's your job to take it from here and learn how to do that. That's tough. That's a yep, really good skill that you've learned. Yeah, I know. I, it, I'm... it is tough. I just <laughs> went to Paraguay this year, uh, an interesting, it's sort of sad, but I'll tell it because it's the truth. Uh, I went there and I saw some dogs that I, I put there in 2007. So you do the math on that. That, wow. that was 11 years and I saw a group of dogs and most of them were still around and most of them were still working because they, they work them a bit longer than we do, obviously. But they're just doing a different job too, so it's not so bad. But it was interesting for me because I, I don't usually put too much thought into this stuff because it, you just can't because you just be an emotional mess all the time. But, so I, but I was leaving and I went by the kennel and I looked at these three dogs that were in there and I, I'll probably, I'll never in my life forget about it. I looked at them and I like, well, you're at least 12 years old and I'm probably not going to be back for a few years. So I guess this is goodbye. (laughs) You know, so it was one of the things where it it also let me know how long I've been doing the job. Mm -hmm. You know, the longer you do any one skill set, especially with, with dogs, the more of them that are going to pass with time. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just nature, but yeah, I know that's what, and when you talk about a six year work life, that's not very long. No, no. That's not. a wink of an eye. Yeah. Yep. It goes way too fast. Yes, it does. Yeah. I know. Well, that's what I'm on my fourth assistance dog. And so I totally, oh, wow. yeah. So totally appreciate that. That that's, that's the bummer part when they, when they it do. Is. Yeah. yeah. But they, you know, and throughout the book, there's, there's only, you know, that's just a, that's a drop in the bucket of the positive experiences I've had though. And there's been yeah. so many dogs in my life that have done so much good work that, you know, it's worth, it's worth the, the sad part of it. Absolutely. Well, and I'm just so amazed by all the skills that you train these dogs to do in these highly, highly intense and sensitive situations. I mean, being in helicopters and all the different types of things that, that they have to do is just so impressive. And the equipment that they have to wear. Is there one memory that sticks out that you can share with us? 
Yeah, so you, you were talking about, I'll tell you a funny one that I like to share. There was a dog and I that we were uh, in a helicopter, and we were getting close to where we needed to be, and this helicopter crew person looked over at me and goes, hey, what's he think about jumping out of a helicopter? I said, sir, I don't know. I've never asked him. I'm too worried about myself. <laughs> so so we, you know, that's sort of a standing joke that I have is that, you know, the dogs do go out of aircrafts and they go out of boats and we don't ask them, you know, because they're going yeah. anyway. And so it's better not to, to ask if they care or not because they have to do it. So yep. that, get, that, that, was a, that was a good memory of mine. If, uh, you know, that guy really gave me something to laugh about. I'm thinking, heck, I'm worried about getting myself out of this thing and not getting hurt. He's okay. He'll be okay. He's tougher than I am. Well, you give a a whole new meaning to go for it. Let me tell (laughs) you. Well, these dogs are tough. So, you know, we do, as far as wearing equipment, you were talking about wearing equipment. They do wear all kinds of equipment and they're just so motivated to work like your dogs even. I mean, they don't, like you said, that your dog would retrieve all day long. These will Mm -hmm. retrieve all day long. You say, well, you have to retrieve with a vest on. They said, they'll look at you and say, I don't care if I'm in handcuffs. I'm going to go get my toy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. so we use all of those drives to our advantage, and, yeah. and you know, it, it's they get used to. Sometimes I look at the dogs and I, I do chuckle. I'm like, okay, you got things on your feet because it's bad terrain. You got this vest on because you got to do X, Y, and Z, and then you got a muzzle on because of whatever. And now we're wearing iPro because we're around helicopters, and and their tails are up and they're happy. They're like, yeah, you're wearing a bunch of junk, so am I. Let's just go to work. I love that. There's an image in the book that I love of a dog that looks so happy, and he is exactly like you described with a muzzle with the eye gear with I mean you can hardly tell that it's a dog except for his adorable little ears that are sticking yeah. out <laughs> and with all that going on and all they can think about is hey when's the time to go to work yeah yeah That's so think awesome. about how excited they are for work yeah uh, compared to what their paycheck is yes the work what ethic a, is just yeah. it's, un- it's unbelievable yeah, if all of us could have just a a quarter of that, imagine what we could what we could do. Wow. Yeah, and if, if the only paycheck we needed was a tennis ball or right. or some food, it'd be pretty nice too. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. Jeff, we just thank you so much for being with us, and thank you for the work that you're doing, and the impact that you're having, and the safety that you're providing to so many of us. So we really, really appreciate you and these incredible canines and their handlers too. But we love the canines. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, and tell us really quickly before you have to run. How can our listeners get more information about you and the book? What's the best way? Is there a website? The best way is the yeah. You can we, our website is cobracanine.com. Uh, you can find it there, and uh, it has information about the book uh, within Cobra Canine as well. Or or googling uh, Matthew Duffy, it comes up pretty quick. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, and we hope you'll come back and tell us more about the work that you're doing because I know we haven't heard the. From Jeff Franklin. Sounds great. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us. We love it for you to join us and we love to hear from you. So please keep those emails coming. We love hearing your questions, your comments, and your ideas for future shows because, as you know, we listen and we love to have on the people that you want to hear from. And you can always reach us at Marcy, M A R C I E at PetLifeRadio.com. And as always, I invite you to follow Working Like Dogs on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We love seeing photos of you and your working dog and what they're doing every day. So thanks so much for being with us and take good care. 
Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.